All right. Let's see. He hasn't started yet with a ticker. There we go. What's going on, everybody? It is Wayne G, Infinity Sports, joined by Jesse and Sully. What's going on, guys? Hello, hello. Hey, how we doing, everybody? How we doing? Got a great show coming up. Um, we're gonna have a an NBA scout kind of talk about the NBA draft and uh, you know kind of players that he likes and how the scouting process works. We are gonna talk a little bit about the news when we first get started, but obviously we're gonna kick things off with our intro that we always do. Jordan. What's going on? Another great intro. I always get pumped up for the intro. I don't know why. I'm so jazzed up the whole time. If you could show <laughs> put me in like a mini screen, you just see me bopping. So obviously we're going to talk about what we usually do here at the start of these shows. We appreciate you guys tuning in to Facebook Live. We are on the RTF page live right now. We are on our Infinity Sports page live right now. We are on YouTube live right now, and you can find these videos on YouTube when we're done. So if you want to watch the video instead of the audio, you can do that. We do rebroadcast every Tuesday and Thursday on the RTF Sports Network. That's rtfsportsnetwork.com, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. If you miss any of that, if you miss the YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, you can find the entire full episode. So you can check us out in all those places. And we have links to all those places as well on our website, which we'll talk about because we are on social media. You can reach out at Infinity Sports Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, at Sports Infinity 5, and, of course, infinitysportspodcast.com. That has links to all of those. It has links to the YouTube page. And, of course, it has our store. We talked about it last week. You can get Infinity Sports gear. 12 is greater than 9 gear. It's going quick. You know, don't miss out. And that's kind of our interest. So that's, that's where I, people I, can find us. Huh? Wayne, I do love the uh, the ideas um, that, you know, we may be poaching from elsewhere, but the limited supplies of the uh, the gear, you know, get on this tag right now because in two weeks you won't be seeing any 12 versus 9. You want to be part of this group. No, I was thinking Jack. maybe like a, like, like a Sal the Janitor shirt. <laughs> so this patch right here, man, I like it. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to talk. Like I said, we're going to have a big interview that's going to take up the majority of the show. We're going to talk about the NBA draft. We're going to talk about what it takes to scout certain players, what sort of things scouts look for. But before we get into that, we do have a little bit of news. <laughs> Not as smooth as last week. Not as smooth. Like you, you sound like it was crisp, and then you dropped the ball. Yeah, I, I dropped my phone. Yeah. Um, 
So obviously the, the big news, we, we got to talk about it, is the NBA right now is postponing games. I guess the Orlando Magic was out. They were shooting around. They get word the Milwaukee Bucks are not coming out of the locker room. They're not going to play. And so Orlando says they're not going to play. They're not going to take the forfeit either. They also want like a no decision on this one. And I guess the Celtics and the Raptors are talking about postponing game one of their series as well. Yeah, I saw that in the earliest news um, right before we started the show was that the Raptors and Celtics could decide to do the same. So uh, who knows what type of impact this how this will have on the playoffs. Um, I honestly didn't know until I walked into my buddy's house where I do record from. And she was like, uh, you, what are you going to talk about tonight? And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, no basketball. So I'm, I'm pretty shocked, um, but it's obviously huge and uh, a very unprecedented to see uh, organizations and a professional league do this. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking. Uh, I guess on one end, it isn't. You know, um, the NBA is is overwhelmingly African-American. And, you know, it's kind of not a huge surprise that they're standing up. Um, They've got a platform. They're using it. Um, Regardless of if you agree with with why they're doing it or their message in general, you know, they have that right to do it. You know, that's, that's their ability as, you know, a God given American. So, you know, you, you really can't have, have any issue with it. Um, I don't love missing basketball. Obviously I don't love missing playoff basketball at that, but you know, I, I understand it from their point of view. They're angry. They're frustrated. They don't know what else to do. You know, this is their, this is their platform. Use it. Say what you got to say. I feel like if there's one league that it could work in, it is the NBA because they have been so friendly to you know social issues and obviously having the you know the Black Lives Matter on the court and having the the names on the jersey. Uh, they definitely seem like you know Adam Silver's very forward thinking, very progressive thinking, and he's kind of like I, I can see him not really having a problem with this. Yeah, I think you know I was going to agree right there. The reason why it's so easy to see this type of transition with the NBA or this type of scenario unfold is because of how player friendly and forward thinking Adam Silver has proven to be so far. He is the coolest and most respected commissioner in all of sports right now. I mean, not to get too deep into it, I, I do think the the fact that God, I'd say every one of their stars, you know, outside of Luca is African American, ha- has an entirely huge thing to do with it. Uh, the NFL, while it's it's obviously you know a, a, a big African American portion as well, a lot of the stars are still white. It's still a quarterback driven league. Who you know, I understand Patrick Mahomes is black and Russell Wilson is black and things like that, but I just think that their league allows them to be, like you say, a little bit more strict. Um, because they can, I, I think, afford a couple guys to sit out, whereas in the NBA they cannot. You know, if a LeBron James sits out, it, it cripples the NBA. You know, so uh, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But, again, I'm, I'm glad to see guys are using their platform. Um, I, I hope it doesn't cancel the playoffs or cancel the season. Um, you know, I, I understand that could be a little short-sighted and a little, uh, I don't know, I guess – I don't it know how you it, it comes it. off as selfish, but I totally, I totally, yeah. I totally yeah. see where you're coming from because I mean, yeah. we we got it started. You know, we we they had the decision to start this whole process and and get into the bubble. Um, you know, players had the opportunity to opt in or out, and that was obviously after the the whole George Floyd situation. So even though there's a new situation, like at what point do we say you know that we're going to continue to move forward and and finish out this playoff scenario? Um, and I mean, you know, the NBA is allowing them to wear things on their jerseys, so I'm not saying 
that they shouldn't, you know, forfeit the games or, you know, reschedule the games. But um, I agree with you there. It, it comes off as selfish, but, you know, I feel the same way. I, 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 I want to see this continue on. I want to see these players play. I think that's the best way to push back is to show how amazing they all can be and to, you know, get them all on the biggest markets, on those TV screens, with those messages on the back of their jerseys, with their post-game messages. Um, so I do hope that this is short term. Yeah, I think it will be. Um, although I don't know. I mean, they could cancel the season or they could postpone this, the rest of the season. I think that would be uh, my last thought on it really is is how harsh that is in a way for LeBron. I know LeBron's all in on this as well. But you think like LeBron's chasing those championships. He's chasing Jordan. And he's all, he's all in on both sides. Yeah, to miss out on a championship because, you know, he's decided to – to postpone, you know, his career essentially, then that, that's that would be a huge, huge move, I think, on his part. For sure. And in a uh, way, almost because didn't people criticize Jordan for not using his platform that way? 100%. So that's one area where you know LeBron is. I mean, we've all talked about how we don't like his personality. Well, maybe not so much Sully, but like we, talk, me and Jesse, don't really love his personality. No, I don't like his personality. Either. No, but he obviously he does a ton of stuff off the court for. Oh. Everything. I mean, he's he's actually a really really good human being who stands up for things. And so, as long as they could just keep him from talking in press conferences, I mean, he'd be fine. <laughs> on, on on a lighter note, NHL is still having their playoffs tonight, baby. There we go. <laughs> Boston, Boston, Tampa, back to backs tonight. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. It's one one. They went to overtime last night. Uh, you know, Tampa pulled it out. Uh, that's going to be – I'm telling you, Wayne, I know you don't like hockey, bro. Watch those games. They're so fun to watch, dude. especially those two teams. They're so great to watch. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and then the other big thing is the Islanders. I mean, they're coming out and playing the Flyers. Like, I mean, as tough as I've seen anybody play them. They got up 1-0. I'm going to check the score of the game. It was 3-3 and went into overtime right before we got on. So I'm actually checking right now. Uh, the Flyers did pull it out in overtime, so thankfully they didn't go down 0-2. Uh, but I mean, it, it's just been an incredible whole playoffs. It's it's insane. You guys gotta watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think I will. I'll nod. Yeah, I will. But I, I, don't. <laughs> I, I don't know how you don't think it's exciting. It blows my mind. I don't. Know. I guess because I just don't understand like all the rules and stuff, so it's confusing for me. That's fair. You know, That's, fair. That's fair. Wayne, Wayne likes Duke basketball, so. <laughs> well, I will say like I said, cause I've been to hockey games live and awesome. Love oh, they're, it. Yeah, they're blessed. The, the it's speed a, I, and the action is so great. Outside of soccer, I mean, which you know isn't very an Americanized sport. Right? I mean, it's getting there now, but uh, outside of soccer, hockey is the best thing to go. Soccer is only great because they don't care what you bring in. You could literally bring in giant drums and flares, and they don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. You know. All right, so uh, I guess with that kind of covering our news stuff, like I said, the, the big thing yeah. today is we do have an interview. I know our interview shows have been great. They've gotten some rave reviews. I think that we've gotten some great guests. I think we have another great one today. We uh, have uh, Wes Brown. He is a basketball scout. I thought we should bring him on, talk a little bit about the NBA draft, maybe the history of the draft, what it takes to be a scout, what sort of things he looks for. You know what he values, how he values certain prospects in this draft. So a lot of stuff to talk to him about, and we'll bring him up right here. Uh, Wes, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on, man. We 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 really appreciate it. 
no problem. Now, like I said, we have a, a bunch of questions again about you know how you scout players and how you evaluate players and what really goes into it. But I, I was kind of hoping you could start off talking about you know your website. We've got the Monday Morning Scouting Report. Like, what kind of service is it that you're offering? You know, like what kind of coaches and stuff kind of come to you for advice and, and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I, I've become the guy for Canada at every level. Uh, so I pretty much help. Canadian university teams, uh, NCAA teams recruit high school players. So all the top uh, high school players in Canada, I help them recruit whether you're, you know, a high major player or whether you're a Canadian uh, university level guy. Uh, and then uh, I also help uh, NBA teams do a lot of intel and background research, things like that on not just Canadians, but because I've developed these relationships with a lot of the uh, NCAA guys. Uh, and the draft prospects coaches. Uh, I do a lot of intel, you know, I do interviews, uh, you know, try to find out as much information as you can because really the background on them, what type of people they are. I mean, as you can see with everything going on now, um, that kind of stuff is really more important than their actual skills and ability. All right. Cool. Yeah. And, and so when they come to you, I guess, like, I know on the website, you can like buy like a subscription or something like that, right? You can do something where you can kind of get these scouting reports. But are there coaches and teams that come to you just away from the website? Like, hey, listen, can you do me a report on this guy or this guy? Yeah, no, for sure. The 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 website is is a front for my business. But really, the business is is me and relationships. Uh, I haven't sold one client through just going online. It's always a relationship that's built over time. They see that I know what I'm doing. You know, they, you know, I send them a sample for, for example, of, of what I do, of how I can help them. And that's really how, how things happen. And I think, you know, the scouting ability, the honesty, all those things have, have come through and that's really where I sell it. So yeah, it is a subscription scouting service. Uh, teams pay 2,400 us for the year, uh, in the, the NCAA teams and the, uh, NBA teams. Uh, and with it, they get, I mean, now it's obviously things are a little different. I send out monthly reports, but usually it's a weekly report. I go to probably more basketball than anyone on earth and uh, make sure that I, I help gather not just the basketball scouting, but the intel, anything that teams need to know about players that I think that they should be recruiting. All right. Now, how did you get into the field of scouting was it like a college internship did you play like and then just kind of were you out of college and then kind of walked into it there like like how did you actually get your foot in the door yeah i uh no i wasn't any type of special player i just was a basketball fiend my whole life um i was a much better tennis player actually i uh i knew i wanted to be a basketball scout since i was a kid you know a lot of people you know at, at this age i mean i'm 30 you know in their 20s they're trying to figure out what they want to do but i, I knew all along um so uh, I coached a bit. I coached university here uh, in Toronto. Um, I realized pretty quickly I wasn't a coach. I didn't have that uh, yelling mentality. Um, I was pretty relaxed. So, uh, uh, but I knew I, I loved scouting and I knew I liked finding the hidden gems really in the draft. Um, so what I ended up doing was I was working uh, in finance out of law school. Um, I had no interest really in it. Uh, I started a scouting website which was nbaprospects.com, uh, which I'm still using as my URL. And back then it was a draft website. So I had seen someone uh, had done it and gotten a job with Denver by, by giving you know all the info, intel, everything they could find on all the prospects in the draft. So that was my first real step towards where I'm at now. Um, 
the website became pretty popular. I got a few people, you know, that had, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand followers, you know, retweeting and, and uh, posting about my stuff. Um, I ended up at dinner uh, through a guy who became my mentor, Jim Kelly, uh, with the Dallas Mavericks front office. And, you know, Donnie Nelson sits me down beside him and starts asking me about player after player. And, you know, luckily the food didn't come for two and a half hours. <laughs> and in that whole time, they were grilling me on guys. So, uh, so I, I did well. Uh, they ended up giving me an opportunity with um, the legends, but uh, I'm Canadian. So, you know, visa stuff isn't as easy to come by when you're a, a lower level guy. Maybe, you know, in the future, I'll be a, a higher level guy and it'll be easier. But um, so, so I did that for a bit. I scouted for the legends based out of Toronto as a remote scout. Realized pretty quickly again that you needed something to differentiate yourself, even though I knew I had unique scouting ability, it, it wasn't enough. So uh, so I, I realized, you know, I'm here in Toronto. Maybe I can be the guy in Canada. Uh, so I just started going around to high school games. I really had no idea what the hell I was doing or what it would become. Um, but, uh, you know, I realized I built pretty good relationships one day after the other, going to games and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, after you know, almost four years now, um, have, uh, you know, have covered the, the country. And, you know, I have, you know, I have guys from the NBA down to, you know, Canadian colleges at, at every level um, that I help. That is incredible. I mean, for you to have, you know, Don Nelson's ear for, for a couple hours and, you know, be <laughs> able to shoot the poo with him and be able to just have him interested in what you're saying and different players. That's amazing. You know, we watch him on TV when we had the opportunity to, and to see the teams that he was able to put together. That's incredible to be able to, you know, sit in the company with them. Uh, yeah. I mean, they have a, they have a really respected, like, you know, they've had a respected staff, you know, really knowledgeable basketball minds, at least he's, he's always been a knowledgeable basketball mind. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't a decision maker, but you know, it was an opportunity to show, hey, I'm a capable scout. I know what I'm doing. You know, there's only so many people that really have the ability to understand, you know, exactly. One scout once said to me exactly what you're looking for. You know, I know exactly what I'm looking for. Kind of. So, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. It's like that scene in Wall Street where you walk in and it's Michael Douglas, right? He's like, Give me three prospects. That's what you got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and my views were unique, too. You know, like that was the Markel. That was uh the Markel Fultz draft. And I said, don't draft him. Yep. Uh, and everybody else told me he was the number one prospect in, in the draft, but I didn't think he had any effect on winning. And, you know, that's the thing that a lot of scouts or people overlook. They see talent, but really the only question is how do they affect winning? What is their value on winning? Are they, when they make a decision, are they tuned in mentally to, is this the right play for the team or am I trying to get mine? You know, and a lot of the times they're trying to get theirs. So, you know, Absolutely. it's interesting. A guy like him, a guy like Ben Simmons didn't help their team win in college. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to in the NBA. We're going to see, I guess. Yeah, we've certainly brought up the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons dynamic and what Philadelphia is going to have to do on the show here. Um, I did want to ask you, Wes, you know, you, you said that you've been uh, in scouting and in that field for about four years now. And you said, you know, for scouts, it comes into what do they see? What do they specialize in? Can you talk to us and our fans about what goes into a scouting report you know you can look at numbers and you can do the eyeball test but i think you probably have to do a combination of those two and more can you tell us what goes into a report yeah i mean you you have to get a picture of a player physically uh 
athletically, skill-wise, and uh, uh, mentally, and you also have to, you know, gather as much information as possible. Um, so there's a lot, you know, first you have to look at their physical tools, you know, are they, are they athletic? Do they have maybe tight hips that's going to hold them back? Uh, how's their shot? Um, you know, so there's, there's physical things or their quickness, you know, uh, can they get where they want on the floor? Do they have any pace? You know, there's physical things Then there's skill. How's their handle? You know, how's their shot? Um, how's their shot form? Um, you know, are they reliable finishers? That's a word I come back to a lot is, is reliable. Uh, what can I rely on this player to do? And for me, that's kind of where I stand out, I think, as a scout more than, um, you know, just looking at production. Oh, like, you know, great score can score from all three levels, you know, jumpers, threes and at the rim. Uh, I look at guys, how can you affect winning and what can I rely on you to do consistently when your shot isn't falling? You know, the law of averages, your, your shots will go in and your shots will miss at other times. Um, so I try to outline what it is. So player A, we can rely on him to be, you know, a three and D player. Uh, he's, you know, he moves really well laterally. He can guard this and that position. And then I really go into to the specifics. Um, mentally, you have to, you know, you have to evaluate what you can see, which you can't, you don't necessarily write. Uh, you know, you talk to as many people as you can about their work ethic, um, about who they are, about, you know, are, do they, do they start up in practices? Are they a leader? You know, what are their characteristics? That stuff's important. Uh, and then you've got to get contacts of, of the people that, you know, are surrounded by them to forward it off. So I always make sure I give a contact so that I'm not just giving a random name. Um, so there's a ton that goes into it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it differs case by case, especially depending on the level, you know, NBA, you know, college, high school. How many games or meetings do you think it takes you specifically to have a good idea of, you know, what a player is, is going to be? You know, I know first impressions are huge <laughs> in any type of relationship and you don't want to, you know, judge somebody off what you see that first time. So how many meetings or games do you give a player before you feel confident about what you see? I would say I know pretty quickly. I would say within a quarter, I probably have a pretty good idea, but there you go. You know, because again, you're judging their mentality, right? So it's, it's more than just the physical mentally. Do they want to be a scorer mentally? Do they want to be a shooter, right? What kind of decisions do they make? And that stuff like the mental side manifests in the physical. So you get a pretty good idea pretty quickly. Um, I would say two to three games, you feel pretty comfortable because that way maybe you've seen their best and their worst or you've seen an average and again for me for the most part i'm not looking at their scoring ability i'm looking at tools you know if they can create their own shot uh but they happen to have a bad shooting game and they have great form and you know it's going to average out or you know if they're a really unselfish player they're pass first and they happen to have a few bad shooting games you know, you kind of let it go. And maybe if you see one game, you know, I like to avoid the games where they shoot crazy percentages, whether it's yeah. really high or really low. That's misleading. Stuff, yeah, it's misleading, you know, because the balls, do you see the ball going in? Well, go look at their shooting percentage. They shot 40%. So, so what you're really looking for is their shot selection, you know, and, and one the most important lesson I would say I learned as a scout overall, other than the mental side is 99% of it 
is that shot selection is more important than shooting ability. And once you understand that and see, you know, you're, you'll see guys that are appear to have great shots and great form, but they, uh, they, um, they shoot low percentages. Then you'll start to understand, Oh, wow. Like it's, he has bad shot selection. He's probably selfish to be honest, rather than taking the right shots within the offense. Now, I was thinking that it's it's kind of easy in a way to watch a player and say, this is how good they are right now. The hard part is saying, this is how good they can be, right? And I feel like that's that's what a lot of, I think, anybody who's looking for a scout, they want a scout who can almost predict, in a way, a player's ceiling. And I've always thought, whenever I look at these scouting reports, I'm like, all right, ceiling is Tracy McGrady, or ceiling is Patrick Beverly, you know? Yeah. But how do you know? I mean, you don't know what this guy's going to do. I mean, nobody knew Gilbert Arenas was going to be a superstar. You know, it's just, you just right. don't know, you know? It's an inexact science, and a lot of it depends on opportunity and, uh, uh, you know, the situation that they're in. Um, for me, you have to, again, back to the mentality, you have to judge who they are mentally. If everybody's saying Markel Fultz is the number one pick, mentally, is he a killer? Can he be ready to take on the load of a team, like potentially even in the future? You know, a lot of people have talked about certain guys you know becoming great whatever it is but you know the scoring gene is a real thing and if you don't have it it's very difficult to become a scorer as an example you know jonathan isaac right jonathan isaac scored i think like 14 points a game at, at florida state he's 6'10 he's a good athlete he's got a pure stroke uh he played you know probably 25 minutes a game because they play 10 guys so you're thinking, wow, like this guy has real potential. Maybe he could be the next Durant. But how often does he actually look to score, right? He doesn't really like that. He doesn't look to create his own offense that consistently. So you have to look at that kind of stuff. I would say that's that's number one. Um, and, you know, the physical tools. And, and what you asked is exactly why I scout the way I do, which is, you know, what can we project them to be at worst? And beyond that, who could they potentially be? And you don't really know. Everybody just tries to give comparisons. I don't really like to do comparisons. I just like to, you know, give them a role. Uh, and the guys who I like, as I would say stars, are usually the guys who have a baseline skill set of a role that I know that they can play. Plus they have, let's say, the athleticism or an elite shot. Uh, you know, they get it off quickly. Whatever it is, they have something that differentiates them beyond just the, the potential role. Now, before I let Sully get to his next question, because you brought up Markel Fultz a couple of times, and I've I've mentioned actually to people that I felt like selling Markel Fultz as a number one overall pick was the greatest sales job that Danny Ainge ever did. Because I think it's come out since that he was in love with Jason Tatum. He knew the Lakers were taking ball at two. So he knew right. he could trade down to three and still get Tatum. And right. the idea that he sold all of these NBA scouting teams and front offices like Man, Fultz is the guy. He's number one. And so teams really thought he was the one. But like you said, I mean, going into that draft before all the workouts and before Danny really started selling Fultz at number one, I felt like he was like a four, five, six kind of range. And he just kind of catapulted with Danny Ainge kind of making that sales pitch to everybody. I don't know. Uh, everybody I talked to internally liked Fultz. I mean, everyone. I would say, I would say almost literally everyone. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, that, that could have played a part, you know, there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff involved in basketball. I mean, there's powers that be, you know, you see, for example, draft express, you know, they're now the ESPN guys, 
those guys might put out preseason rankings and they have a lot of sway and they have teams signed up to their service. And, you know, if they, if, if they determine it and they talk to some other people that determine it, it's hard to change that predetermined notion. I mean, for me, I think completely different from everyone else. So I'm not going to bother me one bit, but uh, there is a lot, you're right. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, gossip or whatever you want to call it that, ends up maybe swaying opinions. And once guys are set, it seems, yeah, I, I agree. Once guys are set as a lottery pick or whatever it is you want to call them, they seem to, to stay there, you know, but again, to me, faults is, is look, his numbers were great. He was an unbelievable athlete. He showed he could do pretty much everything, but he showed he could do pretty much everything one out of every four or so possessions, you know, so you have to take everything else to, into account and not just fall in love with that stuff. And since then, I mean, I, I at that point, I that, that was four years, three, four years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. Since then, you know, I've learned really the mental side is everything. And I don't really know the background on him mentally, but I mean, it's it's he's not strong enough to be a star. I don't think. I like that take. <clears throat> now, let me ask you this: What would you think is your the biggest difference? Cause you say you go to all these high school practices too and things like that. What's the biggest difference between giving a college coach, your high school scouting report and an NBA coach, a college scouting report. Is it, is it just kind of the maturity level of the player and, and the, like you, you keep mentioning the mentality of him or, or is it really just kind of a completely different scouting report? Cause as a high school kid, I doubt many are very mature. So you're really yeah. skill-based at that point. I, you know, let, let me know. Yeah, you know, I've had to adapt actually because I kind of came from the NBA mindset in that world where it's very much about projecting guys and not making mistakes. Like to me, the way I look at it is I don't want to ever make mistakes. And that's why I'm so safe with guys fitting into roles and then maybe having a ceiling above that. The college guys much more want production. Athletes, production, size. Athletes, production, size. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah so, that's what, so you know the nba guys don't i mean for example look at like let's say miles powell miles powell is not on draft boards miles powell was was the, the i think player of the year and uh average you know 22 or so points he's not on draft boards whereas i've had to adapt because if you had a you know a great score like that here he's automatically a high major player so you have to take that stuff into account and kind of let them, the college teams, put them in a role. Whereas with the NBA stuff, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, and the NBA stuff is also much more about intel. Like, for example, I'm not sending a report to a college team about uh, an interview I did with their high school coach. I'm just going to text them like, hey, I spoke to the high school coach. He said this. Okay. With the NBA guys, it's a long drop. Like, it, there's a lot of information that goes into it. You want to find out. You know, what makes them tick on the court, off the court? Do the, they go out of their way to train or mentally? Are they, what are they like? Are they tough? Do they love basketball? Uh, there, there's a lot to find out. Um, so the NBA one is, uh, is much more tailored to who I am and also much more about uh, intel and, and, you know, all the information you can gather. Whereas I think teams are much more willing to take a shot on an athlete, let's say, in, um, in college. Makes sense. That's what one of our uh, Raptor fans here, Ryan Leith, he says, uh, that's why, um, was it Masai Yuji is gold, excellent scouting? I don't work for the Raptors, by the way. I have, I oh, I, 
No, 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 but he, this is a Raptors fan. Oh, oh no, <laughs> Ryan will turn anything into Raptors. Spin. Yeah, he'll spin it any way he can to mention the Raptors, man. <laughs> you, saw, you saw his logo. That, that's our boy. You know, anything Toronto, he's for. He's actually um, up there right now. So, yeah, he's, he's a Toronto awesome. native. So Awesome. They're doing pretty well. Hopefully they play. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wes, may I ask you to power rank these four things? Skill, athleticism, emotions, and mentality. When you're scouting, where do you power rank those things? Uh, one, mentality. Two, skill. Uh, emotion. I mean, that, that would fall into the into the mentality side for me because uh, how you manifest on the court is part of your background and, and who you are, kind of. So I would say one is the mentality and, and who, like, you know, who you are. Uh, Two is skill and three is athleticism. I, I really believe that the NBA is headed towards a more skill level game than it is about the athleticism. And I don't mean that in it's funny. I was just talking to a good friend that's a, a scout, an NBA scout for a team. And he was saying, you know, Jokic is uh, is the new way. And I said, and I mean, I guess what I was saying, which I think he wants the rim protectors. Uh, and go, you know, Jokic has proven he's not really that, and Gobert is, and you know that's been a huge part of the success of Utah. I mean, they're up three two, um, but I think the skill uh, can outweigh the athleticism because, uh, to put it simply, you know, I always talk about Harden versus Westbrook. Harden is a is a basketball athlete with pace, change of speeds. He knows how to get you on your off foot and it's not all you know it's not about going 100 miles an hour because they can load up and these guys are you know these guys know how to get you in situations you don't want to be in uh the coaches but you know and then westbrook is you know takes long strides is incredibly athletic but he doesn't really have the refined skills um so i think i think it's going much more towards a skill game and in 10 years you're going to see that you know as an example Actually, there's a kid, Noah Kirkwood, at uh, at Harvard, Canadian kid. I love him. Love him. High IQ, good secondary ball handler, can run ball screens, good change of speeds, can turn it on and get to the rim, good size for a wing. Uh, you know, people knock that, you know, he's not a great shooter, but his shot will be fine. The real question is the athleticism. Everybody's worried about the athleticism. But I think the IQ and the ability to tune in mentally the second you need to rotate whatever it is, uh, is much more important than that athleticism because nobody guards in the NBA anymore and nobody's capable of guarding opposing guards. These guys are unbelievable athletes, you know? So I, I think... Uh, You're seeing that in the bubble now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. So... so uh, and Dame, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I think the the skill game is, is where it's headed, but ultimately, number one is always in here. Always. So I, I think that's a great response, but I kind of want to dovetail off that and go with your athlete versus skill projection. When you're looking at high school athletes, do you prefer to see athletes that stick to one sport, say basketball specifically, and specialize in that? Or would you rather see somebody who kind of diversifies his his skills or his athleticism and you know maybe gets three letters in three different sports? Yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I haven't I – haven't, um... That's honestly, you know, I've seen guys succeed from both, from both um, aspects. Um, I think the one thing it seems to be soccer, especially, helps with the footwork 
the ability to change speeds, operate in tight spaces, move east, west, and north, south. Uh, you know, like a lot of guys, like for example, Pascal Siakam is a north-south attacker, right? He's always going straight, but doesn't really have the slow-down footwork to to create his own shot. Um, so I don't know what the right answer is, um, but uh, it's you know I've seen where soccer players have really improved footwork like that. Ultimately, I think the basketball players that I like. I would just call them ball like ballers, just natural ballers. And they just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a sport that helps them develop it or uh, they just have it naturally. Those guys are the guys that, you know, I tend to like, um, but I don't, the, the, the real answer, I, you know, someone would have to do a case study. I don't really know. It's a good question. No, it, it's nice to know that there's successful paths either way you go. Yeah, no, there are, there are for sure. Now the, uh, Obviously, you spend a lot of time scouting high school players. Like you said, you, you love scouting you know, NBA-style players. My question is the one-and-done rule, which is going to be done itself uh, in, in a couple of years and allow players to kind of jump into the NBA again. We already see players jumping into the NBDL and, and overseas and whatnot. From your experience scouting high school players, are they ready to make that jump, or do we need some sort of a rule, like a buffer like the NFL has, where you, you have to be three years graduated before you can you know, go to the pro level? No, I mean, I, I don't think they really need that one year of college that they're going to go. But you have to be pretty special. Uh, I saw a kid, uh, Jalen LeCue, who I think the Suns drafted in the 2019 draft. And I was sitting there with another scouting buddy that's uh, an NBA scout as well. Um, and, uh, man, he was nowhere near good enough. I mean, he was an unbelievable athlete, but he had none of the refined skills. I mean, he didn't have an edge. He scored, I think, 12 points. He the shot was poor, I would say. Um, so you need to be a special kind of guy, I would say, to to go straight from it. I think, I think, uh, I think there's guys that can do it, and I think you know all things, you know, without the politics of it, they shouldn't have a one and done rule. They should just be able to go from high school. But um, the NBA creating the G League route now um, is really a, a great in between because. If they were going to allow the high school guys, I, I believe agents would stop their players, their high school players, from going to the to the, well, most of all, going to the uh, NBA Combine, where you get all the information on them, you get to see them up close, all that stuff. And so, as a result, to get all that information, the NBA creates this G League route. They pay to get the kids, which they should; they have money for it, and now they get all the background on them. They get uh, the medical records. They get to see them up close, especially against men. Um, so I think it's really a nice in-between that they've created. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that go overseas and all that stuff. But um, I think the G League route is, is is a good route for the top few guys that maybe like Jalen Green, for example, is does not need to play a second at all. He, he could go play in the NBA today. He's an unbelievable athlete with skill. Um, so, yeah. Before yeah, I kind of let it, right, right. to step on Sully's question if that's coming up, but the the thing I was that going to anywhere. okay, as I said, that led me into the whole uh, idea of R.J. Hampton, um, who obviously chose to play uh, professionally instead of going to college, and he was a top five high school player, you know, uh, and and then you know he's projected as like uh, you know a twentieth, twenty first pick. I've seen them as high as like fourteen, thirteen. Did it hurt him to play against men, or did it just reveal what he really is? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me the truth, I think they're hiding. Okay. Uh, and 
they've proven like Terrence Ferguson got drafted. He averaged like, I don't know, like four points a game in, in Australia and shot like 30% from the field, still got drafted in the first round, still playing in the NBA, you know? So uh, I think it's a way to go. If you uh, don't, if you want to hide, I mean, I think that's what it is, to be honest. I think if you go play college, we know us scouts know how those levels translate, right? If you're an NCAA, we know how you translate to the NBA. But if you're in Australia, we, it's very hard to tell, especially if you're getting limited minutes. You know, like Lamelo Ball. I mean, if he was playing in the NCAA, maybe we would think differently of him. I don't really know, but it's uh, need to make money. I mean, I saw R.J. Hampton in in uh, in uh, AU in the states, and uh, I didn't think he was that good. Um, so we appreciate the honesty. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I hang my hat on the honesty. You know, so so. And, you know, I, I don't know what his numbers were off the top of my head, but I don't think they were any good. You know, so he's, but he's still going to be a first-round pick. So it's proven that you don't really need to do much to, you know, to maintain that status once you're already a high-level high school kid. Just have a good highlight tape. Yeah. yeah. So not to – hopefully not to give any any too much of the information away on the, on the Monday morning scouting report, but I got to know now because Lomelo – I'm getting a lot of up and down and, and where he's going to go. I mean, it seems like he's going top three. It kind of seems like a lock, but on more or less, like, is he going to turn out to be his brother or is he going to turn out to be a better ball player? You seem like you're on the, he's going to be his brother train. What do you think? Well, you know, you have to look, I have to look at it this way. Am I willing to risk my career for a top pick over that guy? When his brother is shown, he doesn't have it mentally to be able to fight through poor shooting nights and to, you know, change his shot and be able to hit it consistently. And honestly, I was a Lonzo Ball believer, a huge one. Everybody was. I mean, he was fantastic. He could do everything. And he's at he's to boot, he's athletic, and he could actually defend. So I thought there were zero question marks. I mean, I thought he was a guarantee. And people worry about his shot. I mean, I still think he shot like 40% from three. He had that low release, but I thought he was fine. It was weird. Sorry? He's, he's got a weird release, too. He shoots from his left shoulder instead of his right yeah, shoulder. Yeah, he's got that, like a yeah, long, I mean, it goes from, from right to left, I think. But he's still, uh, you know, it's, again, it's about the mental side. So well, that's one thing. The only thing I can be sure of is that he has the same makeup as his brother. Whether or not it's the exact same, he came from the same parents. Yeah, I'm glad, you, glad you brought up his parents. You know, the biggest red flag is LeVar. <laughs> right, right. And and I've heard that he's laid off a little, that he's relaxed a little. Hopefully. But the other question is, so then let so that would scare me enough to be honest. I wouldn't draft him. But get to the basketball side. He's definitely talented. No doubt is he talented. He's long, he's athletic, he can run, pick and roll, he's got great vision. Uh he's got ridiculous. I mean, he can shoot it. He's got that low release. That would scare me now at this point. But his shot selection. Can he ever, you know, and, and to be a star, you really have to refine your shot selection and refine your decision making. Can he ever refine it enough to be an elite player? I doubt it. It's possible. But again, I'm not willing to risk my career on it. So uh, I would say don't trap him. So he's just not even on your board at all. 
He's on the board, but but he's not a guy. Okay. Okay. He's yeah. Okay. If he's there at twelve, I mean, you know, you'll take a flyer, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You you have to put him somewhere. That's how it works. No, I but, get you. But for me, I, again, you have to evaluate what you see, and oh, you know, a lot of this is why it's good, and the NBA guys appreciate my opinion because I have their their ability, you know, essentially their ability. But I'm I'm outside of the NBA, so nothing they say. I'm not in those rooms where they're all talking about it. So I can give my honest opinion. I mean, he, he scares me, you know, and yeah. the Edward kid, he's a great athlete and that stuff, but he scares me a little too. Like, so you got to be, you got to be honest, you know? Oh, uh, looks like we got a, a fan on here who's uh, doubting some of your takes so far. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty, but it looks like somebody on here uh, thinks that LaMelo is going to be better than Lonzo. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, oh, okay. So you do agree he'll be better than Lonzo though. Well, it does, like it doesn't. I take mean, that's not hard to do, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take Lonzo, I don't know how much money, uh, or how, uh, how much he's scoring, or his percentages, but they've got to be pretty low. Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 now essentially. You talk about role players. Lonzo is essentially now just a role player over there. Uh, you know, he's he's playing a lot of. I think a lot of perimeter defense is kind of what his dig is over there. Yeah, I mean, he seems to lack confidence. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. He like came in yeah. as like the top of the top, and then when it didn't all work out, you know, he's just not the same player. Right, right. And it takes a special kind of guy to fight through those days, especially as a rookie, where you're not playing big minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have a belief, and you have to see the long run and be able to fight through it. You know, and not many people have that. Uh, players right. or anyone in, in the world, you know. So um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting it's an interesting situation, but. Again, you you know the guys the guys that are making those decisions are, are risking their whole career on that kid, so it's a it's a huge risk to me. It's too big of a risk. Absolutely, Wes. Uh, from one Canadian to another, I need to ask you about two guys that you didn't get a chance to scout yourself, or maybe you did during your high school days. But yeah. uh, Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins, you know, two guys yeah. that were huge in Canada, but they have not lived up to their potential. Anthony Bennett, I think, is out of the league, but Wiggins still moving around the league, you know, how do you evaluate these guys and what did you think about them in their game? Here, you guys are going to like this. I actually interviewed them. I actually interviewed with the Raptors uh, for an internship. I don't know, straight out of law school. It would have been like maybe seven or eight years ago. And uh, um, I sent, I gave them a scouting report and I did not have Andrew Wiggins one. I actually had Julius Randle. I don't know if that makes me right or wrong, but (laughs) I like to Hey, Joe Trent was a double-double machine. They're both in the league. Yeah, right? no, he's a great he's, rebounder. He's definitely tough, you know. Um, Wiggins, I, I didn't uh, – yeah, I didn't know in high school, but the one thing that everybody says is he would be great one game and poor the next or or was inconsistent mentally in terms of focusing and all that stuff. Obviously incredibly talented, incredibly athletic. Um, but the focus, you know, the, the guys – one thing I've seen is that the guys – who can't come up with consistent stats, numbers, whatever. I mean, if you went and looked at Wiggins scoring, it would probably be like this too. It's a little scary because mentally, I don't think he can focus. And focus is one thing that I've really learned is really important. Think about how few guys in the world can take those five threes a game and hit two of them, right? Like Kyle Korver's ability to focus. Kyle Korver knows what the right shots are and then can focus enough to hit those shots every damn night, right? So. I don't think Wiggins has that. I don't fault him. He can be a scorer off the bench. Um, but people put too much pressure, too, on these kids, and he isn't made like that. 
it's just a fact. You know, I'm not made like that either. How many guys are made like that? You know, you so I got to feel bad for him, to be honest, because he was given all this hype and all this stuff, but he doesn't have it between the ears. Um, but obviously incredibly talented. Anthony Bennett, the same, incredibly talented. Really doesn't have it between the ears. I think he, the second he started shooting poorly in the first, maybe even like summer league game, he was on a negative wave. He fizzled uh, out real quick. Yeah, yeah. He, he He's a good kid. I've talked to him before. Um, by all accounts, he was an unbelievable workout guy. Like in workouts, one-on-o or whatever, he was a superstar. And he was good in college too, but uh, he was not ready. Ment- obviously, that one, mentally. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. He, mentally, he was not prepared for what was coming. Yeah. Um, you know, and he tried to he tried to play a role. Uh, one of my good friends was running the G, a G League team that he worked for, that he played for, and uh, he said he was coming around. Um, it was probably about two years ago. He said he was coming around, uh, but uh, he hasn't been able to last. Or you know, again, find a role. Who is he? What does he bring to the table consistently that I know I can rely on him to do? I don't really know what that answer is, uh, but he, you know, he did have neither incredible. Did, neither does he. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's something you can ask players. Yeah, that's something you can ask players. All right. So uh, I don't know if uh, Sully wanted to go because I don't know if Jesse grabbed Sully's question or, or we're just gonna keep going. Uh, I mean, it, I don't think it really matters. Uh, one of the one things before they got to get into it, I got to ask you something, um, and I'll, I'll forget later. So I'm just gonna ask it now. So I do a lot of. Uh, I'm not a professional or anything. I do a lot of armchair uh, football scouting. It's it's like my thing. It's what I love to do. Uh, college into pro prospects for the draft. Um, I look at certain key things at certain key positions. Offensive linemen, I like your balance. I like your hands. Uh, defensive linemen, I, I want to see your explosive first step, and I want to see violent hands, things like that. Now, you mentioned mentality over and over and over. Is there a certain specific skill set or something you look for at, at obviously, like point guard, you want to see vision or something like that? Yeah. Or like what, what aspects do you put at the top of the list for like certain positions? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, overall, other than, you know, from a one, two and three perspective, I would say IQ. Okay. Um, there was a player, uh, Najee Marshall. I, I was at the Big East tournament, like pretty much the last day of basketball that happened. Yeah, like the night, like I'm sitting there with these NBA guys and they're like, their world is getting turned upside down. It got canceled. Um, and then the, se- the second half, I believe, if the second game got canceled. There was a player, Najee Marshall, 6'7", big, strong build, but unbelievably unselfish, uh, ran the pick and roll really well, made great reads. Um, You know, not everybody's going to be able to, but basketball IQ, knowing where to be off the ball, when you have the ball, what a good shot is. you know, it manifests in so many different ways. And then, and then for bigs, uh, I would say, you know, if we're talking about fives, um, rim running, athleticism, shot blocking, uh, those things are, you know, I know you're going to be able to protect the rim for me, maybe give me some easy baskets, even lobs, whatever you can do offensively is extra. I believe you need a rim protector in basketball. So I would say rim protection is number one. And then athleticism go along with it so that, you know, you can show on ball screens and you, like, for example, Jonas Valanciunas, who was with the Raptors, was a terrible athlete and terrible in ball screen. They had to keep him right at the basket because he just couldn't show it all and move his feet. Um, so I would say that stuff, you know, if you're looking at 
small forwards or, or wings, you know, three. See how they fit into an offense and where they can fit, what their role can be, and again, what they can be relied on. So, so for point guards, you know, a, a lot of it too, I would say, is putting pressure on the defense, um, decision making, uh, winning decisions. All of these things factor, and it's hard to say unless you watch a specific guy. But for me, number one, most important thing is is feel for the game, basketball IQ, knowing where to be off the ball. Uh, relocating, you know, cutting, uh, being able to run ball screens, being able to make the right read, seeing the play before it happens, uh, defensively rotating quickly. You know, a lot of these things show a mental in-tuneness that most guys don't have. Um, so that Najee Marshall guy really stood out because he was a great passer from a three, which you never find. So even though he didn't really fit the three and D, I know that if I put him out there, he's going to make winning decision time after time. I like that answer too. I think a, a high basketball IQ can also make up for a lack of athleticism because if you're at the spot you need to be in, you don't have to react and get to that spot. And yeah, exactly. So I'd much rather have that guy. It's a great answer. Yeah, that's what Noah Kirkwood is, right? He's an IQ yeah. guy. He's not a he's not a unbelievable athlete or any of that. He just knows where to be. He knows his role. He, he plays within it, you know, he can be a secondary guy and is totally fine with it. He's not trying to impose himself on the game to the extent that a star would. Now, there are certain guys, kind of talking about the, the 2020 NBA draft that's coming up now, there are certain guys I feel like, generational guys we can call them, but like in a draft that we talk about scouting reports and they're, the chance they have to be a star. There are some guys I feel like that come into the league with a hundred percent chance of being a star and zero percent chance of being a bust. And guys like that are Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan. You know, you knew coming in these guys were going to be perennial superstars. There's no doubt about it. LeBron right. James even. But this year, I'm looking through these mock drafts, and everybody's got Anthony Edwards number one. I mean, there's a couple that don't that are trying to, you know, whatever hot take or whatever. But most of them have Anthony Edwards number one. But to me, yeah. and, and I'll get your take, he just doesn't feel like that, you know, hundred percent guaranteed star. No, he, he's definitely not a guaranteed star. I mean, the, the question I've uh, I've come down to because I watched enough tape on him is, is he such an unbelievably athletic attacker? I mean, he's got that build. I think that throws people off. He's got that big, strong build. But is he really like the quickest? You know, are his ball skills the best? Does he get to the rim? So is he such an athletic attacker that it makes up for A, his lack of motor, which he doesn't attack that consistently, uh, B, his poor shot. I mean, he shot 29%, but there's like a hitch in it. It's good enough. And C, his poor effort on defense. I mean, in the games that I watched, it was he's one game, and I think he, it was his best game. He scored like 36 points. Well, he gave up 30 points at that. He really <laughs> did a lot of points. A lot. At the rim. Easy points at the rim. So you have to look at that stuff, right? And we're trying to find winners. We're not trying to find anything but winners. What is their impact on winning? So that inconsistency stuff scares me a lot. So I get I get why he's up there. He shot 40% on the season, though. I mean, he's definitely not a guarantee. He's nowhere near a guarantee. I think he'll be a serviceable NBA player. Will he be a star? I have no idea. Again, I would not risk my reputation, uh, my, my career, a number one, taking it. Um, but there's a chance. I, I just, I, I'm playing a numbered game in my head that I'm going to sometimes miss guys. But in the end, I feel more comfortable taking a guy that, I know can play a certain role and maybe has potential to be more athletic. 
let's go ahead and talk about this uh the third guy probably the uh the underappreciated or undervalued guy of the top three you've poo-pooed on mellow and, uh, <laughs> and now you just finished poo-pooing on edwards yeah. um and so talk to me about wiseman you know is he someone that you could see golden state take at number two uh, because he fits that that team so well um or should they move that pick is he someone that seems somewhat generational who is james wiseman yeah physically generational physically unbelievable right I, I saw him at the hoop summit last year it's crazy this guy's moving like a wing and he's 6 11 or whatever he is you know um but let me tell you this the first impression that i had of him the first second i saw him was he doesn't love basketball Oh, no. He didn't seem like he wanted to be out there. Uh, that's like the worst um, thing to have. Like to Julio Oakley. Yeah, I mean, and this is just what I saw. I mean, I you know, I was coming in with a clear mind. I didn't know enough about him. He was coming out of high school. I'd heard all the hype. Physically, again, unbelievable. Can he fail? Maybe he can't fail because he's just so <laughs> big and athletic and, and talented. But I've heard some whisperings about him, um, some things that aren't that good. Um Shout him out. His shot. No, something <laughs> I say. His shot. Oh, okay. um, I don't think he can shoot it really. Uh, shot, I, as I recall, pretty flat, but it was not a natural stroke. Um, so he's going to be – and he's not a scorer, right? He's not like a scoring mentality, and everybody's talked about that so far that I've talked to. So um, he's going to be your rim protector and stuff. Can he be a rim protector? 1,000%. He can be a rim protector and he can be a rim runner and all that. But like, like, does he really want to play basketball? That scares me. I would draft him more than I like, I, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable with him than the other guys because of his size. Right. And that's like, that's a thing among scouts. Yeah. You'd rather risk on the size that's in the athleticism. That's unbelievable. Um, but let me throw something out at you. I really like precious Atua. He's the other guy that was at Memphis. Okay. He's a better athlete. I mean, he's smaller, but he's he's an unbelievable athlete. He has incredible aggression. He has no refined shot selection or, you know, or skills really on the perimeter. But if you put him in an NBA game, he gets after it. I guarantee you he's going to get you rebounds, you know, and get you some points around the basket and maybe be able to protect the rim too. He's a guy I really like that I think is being undervalued that usually, I mean, to me, again, you asked about, uh, uh, you know, guys kind of having a notion of, of, you know, they're a top pick and you can't get out of it. Well, um, Atua does, isn't in that top five mix. And I don't know if he ever was, but to me, he should be in that mix physically because he's such a great athlete and, and has the aggression and athleticism and aggression are two really good skills to go together. Let him fall to seven to my Detroit Pistons, man. They are in NBA purgatory right now between not being good enough to make the playoffs and not being bad enough to get a franchise altering player. So if you right. can fall to seven, man, I would love that. And you were talking yeah. about players that get after it. I mean, I think Montrez Harrell has made uh, a young career so far of being a guy that just goes after it. And that's why he continues to get minutes and opportunities. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, he, and he's talented too, but you know, that getting after it to that level is really a skill. Very few guys have that. Very few guys get after it like that. Yeah. So, uh, just a quick little inside question before we get to this one. You seem to honestly not love a ton of the tough guys in this draft. Yeah. Who would you take at one then? The, the guys I like the most, you know, Toppin is um, a really easy guy to pick for me. Uh, one no thing I like Obi Toppin. 
Yeah, Obi it talking. Sells itself, Is it Obi? <laughs> that makes me so happy. I was just about to ask you what your thoughts. What are your take? I, I, no, you know, I think I would take him too. I'm who I'm going to take oh, out. Okay. Is going to be a surprise. Oh, um, okay. At two, at two, I like Toppin because uh, um, he passes up good shots for great ones, and that's why he shot that percentage. And again, shot selection is more important than shooting ability. You've seen he's he's not a great shooter. He's not a real shooter, but he shoots 60-something percent. He shot like 60-something percent over two years. It's unbelievable, right? So he's willing to do what it takes for the team to win. And I saw him pass up open threes for, you know, third rotation threes that come back around and he ends up hitting it. Um, defensively, I have a little concern of his, like, open floor athleticism. Yeah, but but he's going to be a four. He's long. He plays winning basketball. He's got a very high IQ. I love him. Nice. The guy I think in that mix too is Onyeko Kongu at USC. Um, and this is partially because I've gotten just word from certain guys that he can shoot despite what his free throws look like. He can shoot a little. He's more athletic than you think. And the guy that came to mind when I heard that stuff was Pascal Siakam. You know, he plays like a five. I'm not worried about him being a five. I know he's six, I think he's six, nine or something. That, that doesn't bother me. The height, uh, you know, one or two inches short, but he's got very long arms. Um, protects the rim really well, has an unbelievable nose for the ball, finishes very well. His reaction time, more importantly, his reaction time, right? How quickly he can go gather and finish and stuff is very, very quick. Uh, and then projecting out because guys have told me he can shoot. Maybe he can end up being like an attacking four that has, you know, this crazy skill set. Like, can he be a unicorn type? Maybe he actually can be. I don't know. You know, again, I'm not an NBA scout and I haven't watched these guys enough to, to, put my neck on the line for, <laughs> for a decision. But I saw enough that um, I really like him and I really like Toppin. I really like Atua. Those are my three guys. Nice. Those I like that take. And when, when you see, you know, when you see like, when you see the the consensus stuff, it's not real, you know, like NBA scouts don't all agree with that stuff. And, you know, it's someone with some type of agenda putting this stuff out and everybody agreeing. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense that you know, every scout would agree on on any of this stuff. Um, but I've definitely always been a unique thinker. I could tell you guys that. <laughs> that's usually a good thing. You know, that's how you set yourself apart. You know, it's, you know, if the same thing works all the time, you don't know if something else could work better. So, you know, you figure that out and, you know, it seems like you've hit a niche. Now, speaking of like scouts and, and think different and how they do, who would you say is an NBA team or scouting, you know, department that seems to just hit it a lot and just do very well? The Raptors. Oh my God. I mean, forget just scouting. It's the development of them too. I mean, Van Vliet, you know, I'm so interested to know what it was that they did. Did they do like a mental test? Did they get a doctor in? What did they do to figure out that Van Vliet had this chip that no matter what they put in front of him, he was going to overcome it, you know, and Siakam is really developed too. I mean, that was a different time. I think Siakam now would go much higher. You know, Kuzma was a similar type of guy. Kuzma and Siakam were post fours, old school NBA post fours, yeah. but they were athletes. You know, Kuzma, I didn't see any of what he could do on the perimeter at, at Utah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think our, I think our buddy answer. Ryan's paying you to mention the Raptors. <laughs> no, no, like, uh, there's a lot of teams that have done a great job. No, but, I mean, but the Raptors yeah. built a team off of those guys that they drafted. 
Oh, thousand percent agree. Well, I mean, got, OG got, and Pascal yeah. are just that sets them apart. The fact that those aren't lottery guys that are just proving to be amazing players for that organization already. I mean, their yep. scouting department and organization is miles ahead of some others. Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. I really like uh, Utah. Does a great job. Miami picking up Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. Um, Duncan Robinson to me, I loved in college. I mean, w- again, winner. I don't know what his. I think his stats were like nine and seven. Doesn't matter. He made winning plays. He hit shots. Defended. He had a high IQ. He was always there on the rotations, and he's shown that he can continue to do it. So uh, I give props to those. Those teams to me are the best run, the best coached. They their players fit a role cleanly. And, you know, Miami lacks talent. Like, let's be honest, right? They lack some talent, but they make up for it because everybody knows their role and they play hard as hell and they fit. They don't want to get yelled at by Jimmy Butler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah, so one of the uh, questions I have here, kind of on my, my back page of questions, uh, it kind of gets back into the whole scouting thing. And I think because I had it on there late and I forgot to move it up. So where it fit and flowed freely, but um, the I see a lot of these scouting reports, um, and maybe I mentioned it, I can't remember, but the uh, well, they have like a sixth grader. It's like, oh, number one sixth grader in the United States is you know Jimmy Johnson or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. he's twelve years old. I mean, how do you yeah. know that this is like the number one player in the country who's twelve years old? You have no idea. I don't do that. <laughs> there's a like, there's a lot of rankings in this stuff. Nobody has any idea. The kid in grade 12 could grow, grow five inches. Like Anthony Davis was 6'1 and grew to like seven feet, you know? Yeah. So I think it's always about fit. And that's why the ranking thing too in, you know, for a mock draft, let's say, doesn't really make it much sense to me also because if you're drafting 10th and you need a three, you know, or you're drafting 10th and you don't need a point guard, you're going to look for specific things. So I think it's much more about fit than it is about uh, – Ranking a guy, I don't think that ranking stuff. I mean, if you know, if we're talking about their potential, fine. But uh, you know, for me, how I run my service with you know my NCAA clients, I tell them the guys that I think fit their level and let them make the decision. Uh, I can tell them who I think is better or who fits better. But ninety percent of the time, team one says uh, I need uh, one, and team two says I need a three. So what does it matter if, if the three is ranked two and the one is ranked one? They need a three. Yeah. They're going to take three. So, you know, I know the NBA draft, they say they draft the best available. But um, in uh, in high school, it's a lot about the fit and what you need. You know, the teams need always have specific needs. All right. So while we talk about the, the high school aspect and then the potential jump to either college or the NBA um, and kind of dovetailing off Wayne's question, have you heard of Emony Bates? Yeah, of course. Uh, can you can you tell you know my friend Wayne had no idea who he was when I brought him up a moment ago before the show. Can you can you share some knowledge about Emily Bates to, to Wayne and some of our fans about who this kid is? Sixteen year old. In my defense, yeah, I, too, before, yeah. I had said that you know LeBron James when he was sixteen years old was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and everybody knew who he was. This kid's sixteen. I was like, I've never heard his name before. So I, that's that's all I was saying to Jesse. Yeah, no, I mean he he's supposed to be the top prospect in all of basketball, like in all of youth basketball, um, college included. Uh, very long, can really shoot. Has unbelievable videos out there about him shooting. I haven't seen him live. Uh, an NBA buddy of mine has, um, you know, pretty much said he was very young, but 
he won the state championship, I think, in grade nine for him, one MVP. Uh, you know, he's got the length. He's got the scoring mentality and edge uh, that you need. Uh, he's got an unbelievable stroke. What is he going to be? I don't think it's like it's not worth going crazy over yet. I mean, he, but he's he's going to Michigan State actually with a fellow Can with a Canadian kid that I know well, Enoch Boyake. They have a stacked class for twenty two, I believe. I did not know that he had committed. Wow. Yeah, he chose Great. Michigan State over he's the Michigan State. Michigan State is a huge class coming. Um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So so we'll see what happens with him. Uh, but I'm not ready to say anything. Grant, I mean, I could tell you this, like I've watched Jalen Green tape. He's the best pro prospect I've seen in a long time. And he chose G League, right? He chose G League, yeah. He chose What's G your take on that? I I've got to know that. that. That's that's who I was talking about earlier. I thought I, I confused Imani Bates with Jalen Green. Oh, yeah. In between me and Jesse before the show. Um, what What's your take on Jalen Green? I, I love it. We hate the NCAA on this show. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know you've got a great relationship with them and everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we, we hate them. Uh, we just think they're money-grubbing pieces of shit, honestly. But um, what do you think about like a guy like Jamal Green, the, one of the best prospects I agree, everything I read about him says he's a generational guy, yeah. and he's just skipping the whole process and going to the G League. What do you think about it? Well, he's getting paid to go to the G League, A. Yeah. And B, he's half Filipino. Basketball in the Philippines is huge. Okay. And I hear he's making endorsement money there as well. So A, he's getting paid. B, he gets to play against better competition and really prepare himself. I mean, I, I don't see why he wouldn't have. And athletically, he's unbelievable. Skill-wise, he seems to be very high skill-wise. Uh, I don't – I think it was the right decision. But so just to dovetail on that, now – I, I hopefully I don't get you in too much of an internal dilemma here. Would you tell these kids who are that level and this good? I know that's not your job is to tell these kids, but if you were advising them, would you say, "Hey, skip the NCAA and go to G League. It, it's going to prepare you more." Or you know, do you think you know some of these guys would obviously benefit from the NCAA? Yeah, I, I think guys. I think a lot of guys would benefit from the NCAA. He's on a level that nobody else. Is it's on. just different. Yeah, it's just different. Uh, you, I, I do like I help, okay. I help a okay. lot of Canadian kids with advice and all that kind of stuff. So, but um, but uh, usually it's um, what level to go to or what team, like you know where you would fit most more than it is G League or not. I can't make that call, but uh, I, I think the college route makes a lot of sense um, and makes it also easier for us scouts to figure out how good you are. Uh, but the G League route, look, if you're getting going to get paid all that money and go to the G League route, you know, I, you, it's hard to say no. So you think a kid's harder to scout in the G League than he is in the NCAA? Well, the, the, the thing with the NCAA would be, for example, like there was a kid, uh, there's a kid, Kareem Maine, that, that might end up getting drafted this year. And, uh, you know, if he were playing on, on a G League team, um, it might be a – 10 guys all trying to get theirs. And in my experience scouting the G League, it's a lot of that. Okay. Not guys that realize, hey, when I'm in the NBA, I'm not going to get all these shots. You know, there's a lot of guys just looking for theirs. So he might be out there with four other guys on the court looking for theirs. Whereas he goes to college, they're going to build it around him. They're going to give him opportunity. And to me, 
nobody succeeds without the opportunity to fail. You know, you need to be able to play through mistakes. You need to figure it out. You need to refine your shot selection, refine your decision making. Because if you don't, you're playing so tight, you know, you're, you need to play loose. You need to play freely. And that's what the opportunity, if you're a high-level prospect, to go to college really gives you. Whereas in the G League, you know, I don't know how they're going to all fit. And and if they're playing a role, it may, it may be hard to see. Whereas if you give them a starring role in college and give them opportunity, you have a pretty good idea of, of who they are, or better idea of who they are. It is new and different, so it'll be an adjustment for everybody. It'll be an adjustment for the fans, the scouts, the players. Right. Um, to, I think, you know, like you guys had mentioned, a guy like this to make that big of a decision when he could have made such an impact in the NCAA. I mean, this is the first time we've had somebody make this big of an impact. Yeah, for sure. Wayne, Wayne I had a question, but I didn't want to cut you off. It sounded like no, you were. Uh... Go ahead. All right. So, uh, Wes, how does someone like you scout Luka Doncic? You know, this guy's huge in the NBA now, uh, came from Europe, I mean, as, as you know, and it sounded like, you know, you had quite the stance on Australia. Do you share that same stance with Europe where, you know, European basketball has had so so much of, of a lineage? You know, this guy played against men and came into the league and he's been lighted on fire. I mean, the NBA wants to make Zion the face and this guy is the face. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, well, you know, it's a little different because the others in the other instance, we were talking about American guys going to Australia or wherever Touché. for one year, whereas this was an, a European guy growing up in that system. And uh, you know, I never saw him live. The Dallas guys were there a lot to see him. I didn't have a strong stance. Uh, I honestly like, I, you know, you just don't know. That's I know. Yeah, Sometimes you have to know when to shut the hell up and like, you know what you don't know. And I honestly didn't know enough. I wouldn't have bet on him being this. I mean, he didn't seem to be some elite type of athlete or anything. But mentally, he again, mentally, he's perfect. I mean, he's, he's tough as hell. He wants the big moment. He's totally tuned into winning. He's mature. He believes he can carry the team to win. His skills are unbelievable, and his just ability is um, he's a savant. You know, he's a basketball savant in those tight spaces when he's at the rim. He just has everything to get you off balance and counter you, and he's just um, he's unbelievable. But Dallas Dallas knew what I don't think they knew he was going to be this. I mean, they sure they thought he was going to be great, but uh, Dallas knew Dallas was going to get him. No oh yeah, they had some confidence, but there's no way that they could have ever dreamed he was going to be what yeah. he is at this point as a 21 year old. Now, does Luca's uh, success so far and early on does that force NBA execs to look, you know, more deeper into in international play? You know, does it? You know, you're an international scout. You know, right. are people going to be looking internationally more so now? And that wave has already come. Yeah, every. I mean, there's a reason that teams sign up to my service. They want to make sure that they cover every inch of the globe. You know, they're starting a league in Africa. They're, they're, if there's a player out there, they're going to get found. They're going to get seen, and they're going to do their due diligence on them too. Yep. So, yes, it is 100% global. They will do everything they can to find everything they can on the player. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, there. I mean, there's tons of Euro European guys in the draft always, but more so now – um, you know, there's two guys in Israel that are one guy's a top 10 pick, Danny Odia, and the other guy, Yamadar, is a potential second round pick. Guys are going wherever they have to go to find these guys. Yeah. All right. And I was going to actually kind of uh, wrap things up. I, w I wanted to say thanks for coming on. I think it's been amazing. And actually, it led me to one more question before we let you go. Uh, obviously, we have Wes Brown here, uh, Monday morning scouting report. 
my question is, I think that your information has been fantastic. And I think you've been fantastic on the show. I was curious if you had considered doing something like a, a show maybe every week, you know, because I think I would love listening to like your intake maybe every week on a different prospect or a, di- or a couple of different prospects. Absolutely. Yeah. I, in Toronto, uh, um, some guys like the, you know, some teams have their, I don't know, official podcast. I don't know what you call it um, on, you know, one of their websites. Uh, I've done it a lot, but everything I do is towards my ultimate goal, which is being a GM in the NBA. Um, so I, I do enjoy this stuff and I like talking about We could talk about this stuff forever, but uh, no, I don't know if I'm ever going to do anything like this consistently, but um, I appreciate you guys having me on the kind words. Oh, we absolutely appreciate the time you've given us. I mean, this has been a blessing. I know all three of us have a passion for basketball. Um, and so to speak to somebody who has, you know, seen and had conversations and experiences like you have, it's it's a blessing to share with us three as well as all of our listeners. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. I like getting into a scout's mind. Like I said, I like to dabble, you know, on the NCAA side, uh, on the football side. And so to hear, like, when you mentioned it takes like two to three plays to recognize a guy, I couldn't agree more. Uh, even in the football side, right. you, you see it kind of right away, and then you'll go deeper and, and watch, you know, into that. But, you know, when you've got to right. watch the amount of players you have to watch, you, you tend to figure out really quick if the guy's kind of got it or not. Yeah, well, like, I, you know, I usually say I like seeing guys that – don't I like them not shooting for the first five minutes? Like, <laughs> let's just see who you are. Let's see your instincts. Where do you stand? Where do you go defensively? And that way you can get a feel for how they move, how they think, because we're just trying to analyze their thought process. Um, and then once you see them take shots, you start to figure out, okay, he's this, he's that. He what is he like? What is he not like? What is he good at? Um, but yeah, the the instinct stuff, yeah, like you said, I mean, you, you see it pretty quick with the instinct. You're amazing, man. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, that was my that was my favorite answer. You were very quick to be like, honestly, I know real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm honest about it, you know. And the the funny thing is, I, like, I was on a Zoom the other day, uh, or a few weeks ago, actually. Um, a guy from the Lakers, I think it was the head of scouting with the Lakers. Um, I was just tuning in, and he said, you know, be yourself, be different, don't give the same answer. If you know, don't be affected by other people, and. For me, I like you know. I just, I always had my own way of thinking, and nothing's going to change that. And I've realized now, being in the game a long time, that um, people appreciate the honesty and appreciate that you stick to your guns. And at the end of the day, it probably helps them more to have a different perspective than this, everybody else saying, "Let's take like Lamelo Ball or something like that." Yeah. Absolutely. I think the uniqueness is something that sets you apart and it makes you so much more interesting that you're not just going to jump on a particular bandwagon, but you you believe in what you see and what you say. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us, Wes. Thanks, guys. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Wes. Have a Thanks, wonderful guys. night. I appreciate Take it. Care. That was Wes Brown, scout from Toronto. Great, great, great insight into... NBA. We've had so many great guests. I mean, just so much insight. That was so I mean, dope. I feel like I've learned more over the last like three interviews than uh, I don't know. Maybe I have in 30, 40 years. You know? 
Absolutely, you have. Um, but it's it is so hard to stop these interviews because I feel like once we get them going, you know, more questions start to evolve, and I think our guests as well they start to open up. I think the first few questions they're feeling us out, so it's nice. Like once we get about midway through the interview, I think we're it's just really a nice chill session where we can be sponges for who we have as a guest. And Wes, like our other guests, have, have you know, it's been awesome. You know to be able to just be a sponge in his own profession and then we can be a sponge for him. It's been great. Well, oh, actually, sorry, did you want to say? No, no, I'm actually good. I, you know, I'm just going to repeat everything. The guy was awesome. I mean, like I said, being a guy who kind of like does that thing, not professionally, obviously, but, you know, does it wants to be a professional football scout, you know, to hear him talk into about like his certain qualities and what he looks for and things like that and how quickly, you know, it's just great knowledge to have and share. So it was just an incredible interview. By the way, Will James, that's my dog. Shout out, man. I appreciate you watching. Uh, I'm actually going to agree with him. I don't think Lamelo is going to be that great. Um, but he, what he said a lot is what I think Lamelo. I don't think his shot selection is going to be one that succeeds in the NBA. Like, you can't hit – like, yeah, Dame can hit 40-footers, but that's Dame. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think Lamelo is going to walk out there and think he can do that. And I don't know if he can. I would drop him based on his dad. <laughs> if you missed any part of the interview, do yourself a favor. Check out iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher for the audio. Go to YouTube because the video is going to be up there. You can watch the entire video. We didn't do a whole lot of graphics here, uh, but obviously tune in tomorrow. You won't get to hear the whole thing tomorrow on the RTF Sports Network because they only play an hour of the show. So you don't want to miss any of it. So definitely you know, download the, the episode. You don't want to miss anything because such, such a good uh, episode, just like Coach Scott Field. Tons of insight. Obviously, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. At Infinity Sports Podcast cast on facebook at infinity sports podcast on instagram at sports infinity five on twitter and visit the website infinity sports all of those links are there you can watch listen to whatever you want you can stop at the store maybe buy yourself a 12 is greater than nine hoodie <laughs> report the show wait guys are we not doing uh hall of fame or not uh, oh no sorry matt sorry matt, sorry, matt. not sorry. today <laughs> three four times in a row now huh yeah. give all me right, a t-shirt well, wayne all right, hey, uh, Kenny, are we ever going to uh, do that? It's over. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean it's over, Kenny? <laughs> uh.